Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Squid and Ultimate Leap Band Show, brought to you by the Hockey News. Established in 1947, with over 2 million dedicated readers, the Hockey News is the authoritative source of hockey and the number one publication in North America. With an ever-growing podcast network and video database on top of an already established print and digital brand, the Hockey News is there to cover all the major hockey stories from around the world. Visit THN.com deal to get the best value on subscriptions to the Hockey News. I'm Mike Wilson, the Ultimate Leafs fan, and joining me as always, my co-host, Ricky Squid Vibe. How's things going, Squid? Fantastic, Mike. Couldn't be better. A little windy on the golf course this morning, though. I, it, was a, it was a tough day on the course. Ended up with an 80, so not one of my better games, but I'm blaming it on the wind. Well, you know, come on. It's, it's, it's that time of the year. You should be, there should be a seven in front of that number a little more regular there, mister. Come on. <laughs> well, let me tell you my story. Last night, so we've had two weeks of playing hockey. We played at York University, and we were allowed to go into dress from 20 minutes before and 50 minutes after. Last night, we played at Angus Glen in, in Markham. And an ex-player here complained about hockey, playing inside the bubble. Okay, I think I'll strangle the guy. We go last night. They made us dress outside. So here you got 16 guys, which was the maximum, standing out there, getting fully dressed in the parking lot. Now, on the way up, there is a torrential downpour. So just think about that in the middle of October, okay? And you've got to go, and then you go into the rink, and outside the, where the rink is, they've got seats, individual chairs to sit on and put your skates, and then you go on the ice. And when you leave the rink, you can take your skates up and you get changed back in the parking lot. So you got to love the game to be playing things along these levels, but hopefully things will ease off somewhat moving forward. So remember that when you play your next well, Legends game. Well, I don't know if we'll be playing any games uh, for the foreseeable future, but hopefully we will. But, um, you know, you got to put uh, butts in the seats. Otherwise, you know, we can't play these games. And uh, so hopefully we will, but uh, I, I can't see it happening before the year. Yeah, so, I mean, that's – but. We, it is what it is. And speaking of which, walks right, we walk right into this. We've got three game seven set coming up as, over the next couple of days. We have a couple tonight. And what do you think? Well, you got three game sevens, but you got yeah. three game sevens, teams that were all down three to one and have come back to tie it up. So, you know, do those teams have the momentum going into the seventh game or mm – -hmm. Do some of the other teams uh, that had the lead, are they going to be able to come back and play the way they did to get that 3-1 lead? And I'm not sure because, you know, you look at Philadelphia, look at Vancouver, of course, they're getting fantastic goaltending. They're being outshot quite a bit by Vegas. But, uh, but the momentum's on the, on the side of those teams that were down 3-1 and were able to come back, and I, I think, anyway. And uh, it's going to make for exciting – Three uh, game sevens, I think. Well, you look at Colorado, and uh, there's old ex-Leaf Michael Hutchinson starring in goal for the Abs. Boy, it didn't look like it the other night when he let that one in from the top of the red circle. That boy eluded his glove. You thought, uh-oh. But it just seems to be the Abs have dug deeper down and seem to be playing so tough in front of them, they seem almost like they're just destined to win. Yeah, I think so. And I guess probably when they were – three teams down 3-1. I would have said the most likely team to come back and win the series would be Colorado. 
never thought Vancouver would come back. Yep. And nor did I think that Philly would come back either. So, um, but they have. And uh, you know what? It, hey, I'll be watching because that's exciting, game sevens. I, I don't care if it's the first round, second round, third round, or the finals. Game sevens are, are always great. And here we are with no fans in the building, and usually teams play for a game seven just to set themselves up like this. So we're really going to be get put to the test tonight and tomorrow when we watch how these teams handle it. And, of course, we have Tampa Bay sitting watching all this for the last few days. Yeah. Mentally, how is this going to affect these guys sitting back, having not played for a few days and going back to practice? Well, it's like I said, uh, you know, I, I think it hurts you a little bit when you get into that first game, the next round, and maybe the half of the, the next game, the second game. But don't forget, it also allows your some of your players to get healthy, get mm-hmm. that are banged up to start feeling a little bit better. So uh, it's kind of a good thing and a bad thing. I, yeah. You know, uh, I, I would prefer to, you know, have one or two days off and then get right back into it. But uh, I, I think – giving the players an opportunity that are banged up to start feeling a little bit better, I think is a good thing for Tampa. Well, we're certainly going to watch with some real interest and it should be great for the next couple of days. Hockey fans are getting exactly what they want. Game sevens right across the board and it's sure going to be exciting. So speaking of exciting, we've got the second part of our interview with Dave Hansen. We're going to talk about the movie today, Slapshot, which is fans uh, and viewers. You guys want to sit and listen to this. It is pretty funny. So We'll turn it over to Dave here now, and we'll talk to you guys in a few minutes. Okay, so Dave, obviously it was a very colorful league, a lot of colorful characters. And, I mean, well, well, Squid, what about you? I mean, you're coming from junior hockey to all these crazy guys around you. What was it like for you? Oh, well, it was a big awakening, I'll tell you that, uh, right from the very beginning. And, and uh, you know, watching the stuff that went on. And, of course, we got labeled as the wrong brothers, Pat Riggin and I, who lived together, and then Craig Hartsburg and, and uh, Rob Ramage were the, the Wright brothers. And Brof was the one that named us that because we couldn't seem to do anything right. We'd always get in trouble and, and so on and so forth. But, uh, but anyway, talking to, with Dave, uh, you know, we're, you guys are talking about Notre Dame and University of Minnesota. What about Miami, Ohio? When Christian played against my son, Justin. I mean, that was – a lot of fun watching those games. Yeah. I think Anders Lee might have been there too, was he not? Uh, no, I think Anders was after. Uh, maybe Christian Senior. No, Anders. I don't think Anders was there. I think he was after Christian left. But they always had a good battle uh, when they played yeah. against one another. That they had both had good teams, and uh, it was fun to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay, guys, I think, uh, you know, the listeners and uh, the, the viewers are going to want to get into the part we want to talk about now is the movie. They, they obviously lots and lots. We could talk to Dave for hours about the minor leagues and the stuff that went on in WGA and NHL. But, you know, the movie, just to briefly go through it, uh, see if I got this right. You can correct me if I'm wrong, Dave. But, uh, you know, uh, Nancy Dowd had a brother, Ned, who you played with in Johnstown. He was playing in the minor leagues he would recite stories to her about what was happening in the league and some of the craziness that was going on. So I guess her creative juices were flowing and she decided to come and follow her brother for a few weeks on the road and jot down some of the things that were happening and see if she could formulate this in some sort of uh, 
film story or something along the lines. And I think after spending a few weeks, this kind of led to the, the, the beginning of the movie. Is that kind of how it all came together? Yeah, it was, you know, according from, from what I think Ned might've told me, you know, how it really came about was she was, she was a writer in LA, you know, a, a female, obviously female success, but one of the, one of the few female writers, successful writers at the time. And, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, Ned was talking to her one night. I think Ned, he probably won't admit it, but it doesn't pick a part of a story. But knowing Ned, it was in a, during a drunken stupor. Uh, <laughs> and just started saying, you know, you can't believe, you know, this town, you know, what's going on. You know, the mills are closing. We got these guys on this hockey team. We ride the iron lung all over the country, you know, on and on. And they're talking about selling the team. And, uh, and, so, and again, I think her famous line was, well, who owns the team? And he says, I don't know who owns the team. So obviously, you know, if you think about Denny Lemieux saying, wounds, wounds, <laughs> uh, obviously that came must have come from that. But so, yeah, so she, she took a trip up and uh, spent a little time. And then the rest of the season, we would, we would occasionally catch Ned in, the, in the, either the back of the bus or in the corner of the bar room, uh, talking into his hands and come to realize that he's recording stories about what's either going on or what had happened and sending these little tapes off to Nancy to use, you know, to help foster more of, of what she put together, mm-hmm. which was a phenomenal script. So, yes. so yeah, that was kind of the, uh, the genesis, I believe, of how it got started. And then George Roy Hill, obviously, is no amateur director. It gets brought in to put this movie together. And so, I mean, this is a guy who's famous for casting the Sundance Kid in The Sting. So, I mean, a couple of iconic films. So, Dave, for our listeners, once again, um, how did you guys, how did you actually get involved in the movie and how did the Hanson brothers come to be? Well, and just a side note, George Roy Hill was a Minnesota boy from the Twin City areas. Oh, surprisingly, so that... though, yeah, but surprisingly, I don't think he knew anything about hockey. Uh, but he certainly had a great sense of humor. So, so as, you know, as, as it was told to me, uh, Ned Dowd, you know, this 74, 75 season was Ned played for us. We won the, we won the, uh, the league championship. We had the Carlson brothers, myself, you know, you mentioned all that. And that was the year that, that Nancy came and kind of followed things. When Universal Studios bought the script, they actually hired Ned to come down to LA and try to uh, help um, find actors who could skate well enough to portray the hockey players. You know, so they, I think they put out a casting call and they had you know, they really had some established A-listed actors like Nick Nolte, Peter Strauss, John Travolta, uh, Donnie Mose from Happy Days, and on and on come out and, and, and in front of Ned and skate. I guess they had a you know, uh, kind of an audition on ice kind of thing. And they even, you know, they had, they really wanted these guys, but guys to play these roles. And they couldn't skate. And, you know, Ned would work with them and try to get them. And they just got to the point, I think, where... Uh, in fact, Peter Strauss, uh, broken ankle, slamming into the board, somebody broke a nose. Um, finally, Ned just says, you know, no matter what I do with these guys, you know, they're not going to meet the meet the expectations of what you want in this film. Mm-hmm. And so I suspect it was either Ned and or Nancy went back and says, why don't we go back to Johnstown? These guys are characters themselves. Let them be their own characters, right? Yeah. So this now was the 75-76 season. From what I remember, a couple of them came into town. They pulled uh, Jeff, Steve, and uh, myself into a hotel room. By that time, Jack was in Edmonton 
playing with the Edmonton Oilers. And uh, they kind of gave us some lines to read, and, and we read them. And in spite of that, uh, <laughs> one, I think they were shocked that we could read. Uh, they said, okay, you know, let's give it a go. So really, the initially, the plan was to have Jeff, Jack, and Steve Carlson be the Hanson brothers, and Dave yeah. Hanson to be Killer Carlson yeah. with Jack out. Um, when it came around to start filming, they threw me in as a third brother. And ironically, I happened to be a Hanson, but they just left it that way, and, and then we were off and running. Now, uh, Paul Newman, who got the part, he, he did a couple movies with, with uh, George. So, I mean, that was, that was part of the connection there. But um, he wasn't selected first off. Now, could he actually skate? And also, the second part of this is, uh, did he know anything about the game? And I guess thirdly, I'd add to it, you have a pretty funny story of how you first met Paul Newman. Well, yeah, to your point, I don't think Paul, Paul was not the first uh, actor casted to be Reggie Dunlap. I think it was Al Pacino. And when George Ray Hill, as the story was told to me, um, in, a, in a meeting with Pacino, they, obviously they started talking about the, the, the film and so forth so on. And, and George says, well, can you skate? Pacino says, well, no. <laughs> and, but, you know, we can work the script around and, and started wanting to try to work, rework the script and just and that. And uh, so basically I think uh, George fired Pacino and, he had a relationship with Paul, knew Paul Cascade coming out of Ohio. And as I was told to me again, you know, he grabbed Paul one morning, they went out on the curb, sat down, uh, probably having their cold coffees, and, and George pitched the idea to him, and, and Paul grabbed it right away. He said, perfect, great. Uh, so, so to answer your question, Paul Cascade, was he, you know, he, he certainly wasn't at the professional level or, or even, you know, Michael Onkeen, uh, who played Ned Braden, all-American at New Hampshire, you know, stepped right in, could skate, keep up with us, had everything. Mm-hmm. Paul could skate, but he struggled. In fact, I think he might have worn the old Micron boots or those plastic boots back then, you know, to help his ankle support. But, you know, he, but he was an athlete. You could see he was an athlete, mm-hmm. um, and he would go out and, and skate. What he didn't know what to do was what to do with a hockey stick. He never played hockey, never had a hockey stick in his hand. And so he would. He came to us and says, "What do I do?" And we started teaching him how to handle a stick in his hand. And he would go off and he would work at it to the point where you know he then came across the screen looking pretty darn good. Yeah. Now, uh, how did you meet him for the first time? Yeah. Well, that story is. That's a good one. Yeah. You know. So so they actually started filming before we even finished the playoffs, mm-hmm. and uh, and you know so we're playing games and and. They would watch the games up you know, from the press box, and we had no idea they were there. At least I didn't have any idea there. So we're in the playoffs. We're playing against uh, Philadelphia, and I'm having a pregame nap. And I'm, I'm rooming with, uh, I think Boudreaux was one of my roommates, and Henry Taylor was the other roommate. And there's a banging on the door, and you know, I'm, I'm kind of in a, and I'm like a sleep stupor, and I hear it some more, and I finally get up, and I'm, I'm pissed off because I got to get out of, you know, <laughs> I get out of the room, and I'm in my, my underwear and my dirty white socks and nothing else, and I open the door. Well, you, you walked up a set of stairs uh, and then stepped up to get into our apartment. Mm-hmm. So I open the door, and I'm looking at eye level, and, there's, and then I look down, and there's this guy standing there, and he, he, you know, he's looking up at me. And I'm thinking he's probably looking right up my crotch because he's that bold. <laughs> and uh, he says, "Oh, geez, did I wake?" And I says, "Yeah." 
And uh, he says, well, he puts his hand, he says, sorry. He says, you Dave? I said, yeah. He says, well, I'm Paul Newman. And it's kind of like, oh, oh, yeah, I guess you are. <laughs> you know, we shook hands. He says, I'm sorry. You know, uh, he says, but, you know, do you mind? I got guys from the movie set. They want to, the art department, they want to come in and look at your apartment, what a hockey player's apartment looks like, this and that. And I said, listen, Paul, I don't care. I said, but I'm going back to bed. Just close the door. And when you leave, he says, sounds like a deal. And I start walking away. He says, hey, by the way, Dave, he says, do you got any beer in the fridge? I said, yeah. I said, grab what you want. He says, well, good. He says, because I want to go sit down and watch, the, you know, the races are on TV right now. I'm going to go sit down and watch. So, you know, that was it. You know, for all I know, I don't remember, but he probably drank all my beer and, and left. So yeah, it's funny. You talk about that movie, Paul Newman, and the whole movie. I mean, I don't know how many times I watched it on buses when I was coaching in the minors and so on. But I mean, that was really. I mean, it was what hockey was like in the minors at that level in those times. I mean, it really was. It was. I mean, you know, I both told a lot of stories about back in the old Eastern League and. And, and things that happened. And I mean, I don't think people realize that that movie was very, very close to what it was like in the Eastern League back then in those days. Am I correct? Oh, you're absolutely right. I mean, you could literally go to almost every hockey scene there, or actually, for that matter, probably almost every scene in a movie, and that's the way it was. You know, the only thing that was really out there. I can never, ever remember anybody stripped teas, teasing on the ice to, yeah. uh, to the band playing in the stands, <laughs> you know. But well, yeah. everything so leading up to that, the brawls and warm-ups, you know, going into the stands, getting thrown in jail, uh, you know, guys getting hit off the boards and probably pissing all over themselves, you know, the locker room banter, the, the bar room banter. I mean, that was it. That was it in that league. And that's what yeah. I tell people. I says, you watch that movie, there's more fact – and fiction in that movie it's just that the fact is you know stretched a little bit for for humor uh but yeah it's good that's that's the way it was and and you know and it was a it was probably the most fun time of my life again i'm 20 years old i'm making 200 bucks uh, a week which means i got more money in my pocket than i ever had and i'm just playing for the love of the game and having a blast doing it and that's how it came across in the film so uh the, the, reason, got- the reason i say that the reason I say that is because growth told a lot of stories, but I was playing junior at the time. We used to have brawls in the warm up, and I mean, you know, everybody was fighting and, and so on. So it, it was no, the game, that's just the way the game was back then. And uh, I don't think a lot of people realize watching today's game that hockey was like that at one point. And, you know, and, I mean, I lived it. I played junior, and, and uh, even in Birmingham in 78, 79, it was, it was very similar. Oh, uh, we even – and, again, you can equate parts of it to the movie, but, I mean, we won a playoff round because we literally had a bench-clearing brawl and the team in warm-ups, and the team refused to come off to play the game. <laughs> and it was the third game of the best of three, and so – Literally, the team forfeited. They got on their bus and they drove back to Buffalo, and we got awarded the, the win of the first round of the series. <laughs> that doesn't happen every day. No. Now, how much did they rely on you guys for authenticity of the scene? You're, you're kind of touching on it, but the day would come to you and say, 
is this how it should be done? Or is, would this really happen or this not really happen in the movie or in a game? Well, you know, one of the great things about that script and what Nancy did is was a, it really was authentic. I mean, she, she, was, so, she was such a genius uh, and so observant and such a great writer that, you know, the, the language and the tone and, and the rhythm and everything that went in there was the way it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, the problem is when the Hanson brothers first started filming in front of the camera is we were hockey players. We were not actors. And, you know, I can remember sitting when we first got on and we had to say words. It was the three of us and they set the scene up and, and we had our lines and George Roy Hill says action. And we say the lines and we get through them. And then he says, cut. And he says, okay, guys, let's give that one more try. And action. Well, after about, I don't know, seven, eight times of those, he finally says, okay, hey guys, let's uh, take about a five minute break on the set and, and, you know, reset up and so forth. And, so he sat down next to his boys. He says, let me, let me say this clearly. It ain't working. He says, now, you know the scene. You know the situation. I know, you, I know you know the lines. He says, but what would you say or what would you do or what would come to mind in this situation if it was real? Mm-hmm. And we said, we said, well, we don't know. You know, we just whatever came to mind at the time. He says, okay. He says, keep that thought. We get back up, he says, action, and we do our lines, but we just rattle off a bunch of lines. He says, perfect. That's a keeper. We don't need it anymore. And from now on, that's what I guys want you to do. So he would, you know, we had our lines, and most of the lines were, you know, like I said, they were perfect, but he gave us the freedom to ad lib uh, as hockey players, and certainly the Hanson brothers were kind of a unique group to begin with. And, you know, we would oftentimes – but the neat thing about that is George then recognized, you know, you had the actors who were acting to be hockey players. Yeah. But those guys are so good. Like Dave's a killer. Dave's a mess. That was an ad lib from Alan Nichols, you know, and, and he had the freedom to George gave us the freedom to do that. And if it didn't work, he tells it didn't work. It'd be like, okay, say your lines, but that that's how it went. And, you know, we would do, you know, the hockey scenes, uh, you know, he would ask us here and there, but Ned Dowd state, Ned Dowd was the onset hockey coordinator so he had that benefit of you know being able to uh, help set things up and make it make it fall like a real hockey scene so now you guys are sitting around all day and there's always this talk about uh, i i've done a couple commercials and and you arrive at seven in the morning and you may get one line and you've got to wait eight hours all day to say it and it gets pretty boring i mean you guys are hockey players i mean how would how would you guys put up with that every day i mean after a while you just lose your patience say this is enough come and get us over in the trailer we're over here drinking beer or something well, absolutely, Mike. You're right on. <clears throat> because, again, keep in mind, we're 20. I think Steve was you know, 19, 20, 21 was, was our ages from Minnesota. Yeah. And, you know, back then, unlike players now, they didn't, you didn't spend the summer training. So you went into training camp in shape. You spent the summer going back home to Minnesota playing softball, drinking beer and eating onion rings. And then you go to training camp to get in shape. Yeah. That, was, that was the routine. So, so here we are, the season's over with, and again, traditionally we pack up our suitcase and our and our race cars, and you know, we'd head back home. Well, here we are, you know, to your point, we're up at six in the morning having to be on set, get through makeup, sit around, you know, wait to do your scene, you'd wait, you'd wait, you'd wait, and then often you'd get to be six, seven o'clock at night, 
and they didn't they didn't get to you. And you know, and this went on. And then, of course, when you're shooting the scenes, it's a lot of fun because you're doing things even though you're still waiting. But you couldn't go outside and wait, yeah, because they would have fear that you'd get a a sunburn or suntan, and then one scene you'd have your winter skin on, yeah. you know, your pale winter skin. <laughs> <laughs> and then all of a sudden, the next scene, you look like you came from Ratona Beach, you know, you, you spent the week. So you couldn't, so you were stuck yeah. in that friggin' stinking arena all day long or wherever you're yeah. at. So, you know, we got to the point where, okay, you know, 12 o'clock, nothing's happening. Hey, let's go get a six pack of beer. Okay. You know, so we pop a beer here and there, you know. Next day, it turned into a case and it turned into a tub of beer. And then a couple of times, it'd get to, you know, five o'clock and, <laughs> George Roy Hill would say, okay, let's bring on the hands, and we'd go out there, and we'd be so shit-faced by that time. <laughs> George would look at us and say, okay, that's a wrap. We'll do this tomorrow. <laughs> so did you have to tell us? Well, go ahead, Scrape. Was this all filmed in Johnstown? We right did. at the old rink? Yeah, the vast majority of well, Johnstown War Memorial, the Camry County War Memorial, <laughs> was yeah. the home rink. So most of it was filmed there, and, of course, you know, the – the, the town, the steel mills and all that was there. And then we shot some in Utica, New York at, at Utica, the Utica Odd yeah. Arena there. And we shot some down in Syracuse at, uh, I think it's called the Andaganda or something like that. And then yeah, uh, we yeah, shot yeah. down at Colgate College down, uh, and we shot a scene down at Old Millbury's old uh, stomping ground. So uh, I've been in all those buildings. So <laughs> it, uh, it brought back a lot of memories. I, I coached in, in the ECHL. With it. Well, in fact, we played Johnstown in the playoffs and uh, in the first round of one year and best of five and won that series. And uh, But driving up to Johnstown on the old iron lung, as you said, and uh, uh, I, you know, we would go on three days. We'd go in three different cities and we'd be traveling eight or nine hours, ten hours at, all night long and playing the next day, then another ten hours and then another game. I was exhausted. And I said, I don't know how the heck these guys do it, but they go out and they play their asses off sure every single night. And I said, I don't know how they do it because I'm exhausted. So anyway, I, I thought that was pretty cool going to see those rinks and then later on seeing them in a movie. And especially with you. Well, hey, now, David, if you guys, um, uh, like as this movie's being filmed and you guys are going along, I mean, now, now be honest here. Did you guys have any idea that this thing would kind of have, not the legs that it had, but that it would be some success? We were clueless uh, to the point, Mike, where uh, other people did. Yep. Uh, but, you know, we finished the filming. Like I said, I got married literally, I think, a, less than a month later. I uh, went back to Minnesota, was getting ready for training camp. And... Uh, by playing beer, by playing softball, drinking beer, and eating onion rings. <laughs> uh, but got contacted before camp, you know, the three of us, Steve, Jeff, and I got contacted before camp by Universal Studios saying, listen, we want to sign you guys to a seven-year movie deal. want to do a movie every year with you guys for the next seven years, make you guys Hollywood stars, movie stars. And like, you know, like the, like the brainiacs that we are, we go, well, <laughs> No, we don't want to be movie stars. We, we're hockey players. Duh. <laughs> so, we, you know, but we try to say, well, listen, you know, maybe if you can guarantee us that the only time you'll film is the off season, we want to interfere with our hockey season, and they couldn't do that. So, 
you know, we went on to, to pursue our, our uh, movie careers. But, you know, you think about it back then, you know, the only, the only way you watched the movies was either in the theater or on TV. Mm-hmm. They didn't have the VCRs. You know, That's right. You know, they didn't have cable, none of that. So it would run through the movie, through the theater uh, uh, portion of, of, of the, its life, and then get stuck on the shelf. And, you know, and I think we set the record for F-bombs in a movie, so you knew it was never going to get on TV anytime. Through, you know, and really it wasn't until the VCR was invented and, and the, video, the VHS tapes came out that suddenly it became a, a, you know, a phenomenon. Um, I think it was like in the top three rented movies of all time at the time. And, you know, really, it just hasn't stopped. No, no, it's the best hockey movie of all time. And, well, you know, you may have missed your calling. You know, you said you got married that uh, one summer. Now, you married a coal miner's daughter. Now, you yeah. may have been ahead of your time because there's a famous movie that came out a couple of years later called A Coal Miner's Daughter. So, Dave, maybe you missed your calling as a movie star. You know, maybe there, these little signs were all coming at you. Now, um, how are the other, how are the other actors on the, the set treat you guys? And Paul Newman, did he hang around with you guys at all And if I, I'm sure he probably did, because it sounds like he was a decent guy. Any funny stories with Paul that you guys had? Well, you talk to any of those actors now. Like we we get together every once in a while and uh, I'll do things here and there. And uh, they all say that you know these guys had you know like Jerry Hauser had a you know very successful career in TV and in movies, and as did you know Aunt Keen and and even Alan Nichols and Brad Sullivan and you know some of those professional actors. To this, to, you know, and when Newman was alive, anytime he got asked, they all said, including Newman, it was the most fun they've ever had making a film. And I really believe it's because, you know, the Hanson brothers really kind of broke down the stigma of these actors having to come in and just be straight laced actors worried about their jobs. Because we were pulling pranks left and right on everybody. And if you didn't buy into it, <laughs> You know, you were just the next guy that was going to get it even worse the next time. And Newman so like, was one. Newman was one of the biggest pranksters of them all. So, like, what? Give us an example of something that was done. Well, I can tell you that. Here's a good one. So, when Paul came into town, uh, I think it was the, the local hotel. I think at the time it was called the Sheridan Hotel. So, you know, everybody, <clears throat> even even us guys that uh, that kept our places. They also still gave us hotel rooms mm-hmm. uh, because you'd work late at night or sometimes you'd work overnight. And it was convenient to be right there in a hotel room. So, so Paul not only had a hotel room, but he also had an RV, his own RV on the side. And then he also, they uh, rented a, one of the local, actually it was a team doctors, a heart surgeon doctors uh, house up, up on the, in Westmont up on the hill. But when he came into town, he had a small sauna built at the hotel exclusively for him because <laughs> uh, Paul liked to drink his beer uh, okay. and then he'd go in and sweat it out in the morning and probably swam in the pool, I guess. But well, the lo- one of the, one of the bars we used to frequent was in that hotel bar. And so Jeff, I think it was Jeff, myself, and I suspect Steve, cause he was always with us too. One night late at night, we snuck into the back of the room and grabbed, these big bags of popcorn and we took them out to Paul's sauna and we filled this sauna full of popcorn. I mean, literally it was, you know, this high and, and shoved the door closed. Just, you know, envisioning that when Paul opens that door in the morning, all this popcorn is going to come out, you know, and this and that, you know, and he's going to come back to the set and, you know, 
bitch about it. So the next day, we're back on set. Not a word. He didn't say a word. Didn't lead on. Had no idea. You know, and this happened and happened. Didn't, so we're thinking to ourselves, did it happen? Did it not happen? It had to happen, you know. So we're, we're doing, shooting a scene up in uh, Ligonier, uh, or Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and they got a little in-town community circle where, you know, the role comes into town and goes around. And, uh, and, and right before we shoot that scene, and that's the scene where we hang our butts out the window. But before that scene is when the two, the bus pulls off, the, the team bus pulls off the side of the road, the booster bus pulls up behind it, and all these people, we start swapping buses and we're grabbing the girls and bringing them on and this and that. So it's one of those nights again, Mike, where we're sitting, we're waiting, we're waiting, we start drinking the beer, you know, we're getting half lit. And we come up with this brilliant idea and we go up to Paul and says, hey, we got a brilliant idea. Paul's going, yeah, yeah, what, what? He says, you know, all those people on the other buses, it's all lawyers' wives, doctors' wives from the hometown, you know, you know, all these high women. He says, how about when the buses stop and we go running out of the bus, we, we, before we run out, we take all our clothes off and we run out and we bring our snake and we jump up and down and laugh. Won't that be funny? Paul goes, yeah, I'm with you, I'm with you. Let's do it, let's do it. <laughs> so we're in the back of the bus. We're stripping our clothes down. We hear action, you know, on the, on the walkie-talkie. The buses are rolling down. We go just running past, thinking Paul's right behind us. We go running out. They're flat. The other team group is coming off their bus. We're running up and down, jiggling this and that, laughing and laughing and laughing. Now we're thinking it's midnight. It's in this small town in the middle of nowhere. The only people that's going to be there is a few people from the crew and this and that. We stop. We look around. I got to believe the entire town was there. Grandma, grandpa, grandchildren, you know, and we're looking. <laughs> And we're brass naked and we're covering ourselves up and we're looking on Paul's nowhere to be found. And we look up and there he is hanging out the window, laughing, saying, payback's a bitch, boys. Payback's a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now, uh, Dave, well, that, that is a pretty good one. Now, um, one thing we forgot to talk about is the Hanson brothers with the, the cars in the hotel room. And the racing cars oh, and all, like is the, who came up with that or is that actually something you guys did or somebody did well again it falls into that category you know more fact and fiction so <clears throat> we lived in a house just down the street from the war memorial i mean literally we walked back and forth to practice and to the games yep. and the house was a three-story house we had the landlords on the first floor uh on the second floor was the three carlsons and on the, on the third floor was uh, guido tanisi uh, who played uh Pretty boy Billy Charlebois and myself, and so you know, as as Squid will tell you, you know that league. We called it No Sunshine League because you spent all the time on the bus. You know, you're either sleeping on the bus, traveling on the bus, and getting off play the games, getting back on the bus, and going again. So when we had time off, which was often a Sunday uh, in town, well, I think pretty much all the bars shut down on Sunday. So what we did in the house is we went and bought a race car set and we went up on my floor. I pushed all the furniture aside. We had a big look, we had a living room and we set the racetrack up and the Carlson's and Guido and I, we would sit up there and we would race cars and, and, and drink beer. And that was our entertainment. And it got to the point where, you know, suddenly the, uh, the husbands on the team, the, the teammates who you know wanted to get away from their wives, they'd come over and it turned into a big, 
you know, every once in a while we'd have a big race car tournament going on and drinking beer. So Nancy took that obviously a step further and we brought our toys on the road with us and played, played with our toys then. <laughs> That is that 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 is that's a classic because that's yeah. a classic scene from the oh, movie. Squid, have you got anything else for uh, Dave before we've taken up so much of his time? Anything else? Oh, yeah, my wife got the pork chops ready here. She's she's giving me the evil eye here. So. Okay, well we're getting uh, close. Well, well uh, I just want to say that it was a pleasure having you on, Dave, and and I I really enjoyed playing with you for that one year and. Uh, I've got to meet your son a number of times. He's a great, he's a gentleman and a, and a great kid. I call him a kid because he, I'm a lot older yeah. than he is. He plays in some of our alumni games, and we have a blast. So uh, thank you very much, and uh, thanks for being a teammate because I, I really enjoyed it. Well, and you protected him too, Dave, of course, because look, at he, he saved that well, face. Yeah. Okay, so come on, Squid. You know? yeah. So Dave, well, I, all I can tell you, Mike, is his nose wasn't that big when I played with him. <laughs> 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 well, listen, uh, you know, Christian Obzi, I've got to know Christian over the last couple of years. Uh, great guy, as I said. Um, uh, when you guys, if you ever get back into Toronto, the two of you, let's quit and I buy you lunch and he can pay. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Me? Yeah. yeah, deep okay. pockets then. He's got deep pockets now. Short arms. <laughs> listen, okay, great, Dave. Been a pleasure. Thanks. Hey, so likewise, much. fellas. Anytime. Okay. I really Thank enjoyed it. Right, great guys. having it. Thanks, Dave. Talk to you soon. Likewise. Bye, right, boys. Bye. Bye. Well, Squid, he's sure a character, Mr. Hansen. I mean, <laughs> can you just imagine? I mean, we're only getting a, a, a sniffle of what really went on in those days. And if you sat Dave down and had a coffee or a beer with him one day, can you imagine some of the stories that these guys will have? And as a matter of fact, we've got one of your, another ex-teammate of yours joining us next week, Bruce Boudreaux who was a part of that Johnstown yeah. Jets team. So I'm sure that Gabby will have a couple of things to add to an already pretty lively conversation we had, Dave, but just what a character, what a great guy. And I'm sure just you play with him as a teammate. I'm sure just the type of guy you would go through a wall for. Uh, you know what? Absolutely. I mean, Dave was a, a true professional. Um, he was a great teammate. Uh, you know, he knew his role too. That, that was what I loved about Dave was he's, you know, he, he would even talk to the guys and say, listen, you know, if you're uh, going to get involved in anything, I'll be there. Don't worry. I'll be there uh, to help you out. And, you know, I mean, when a guy tells you that, that that's a good teammate. That uh, He knows what he's supposed to be doing out there. And especially Michel Goulet, I'm sure he found out when he remember you tried to teach him boxing lessons. I thought, I love that mm -hmm. story. So just forget it. I'll look after you. <laughs> it's just out of the way. <laughs> so you got to love, you got to love all of that. And of course, Christian is another oh, great, yeah. great kid. Plays with you guys in some of the alumni games, as we understand. Yeah. And actually, Notre Dame, uh, just a great, great family all around. And loved having him as a guest. And uh, obviously, we'll try and get Dave on again and somewhere down the road. So it wouldn't be one of our shows, Squid, unless we talked about you-know-who. So... Lots of stuff swirling around. Some goalie movement this week with uh, Montreal acquiring Jake Allen from St. Louis. Lots of names being bound and about. Poor old Freddie, I think, has been traded to six teams already in the last week. So <laughs> what do you think? Yeah. Something's going to drop. Well, something's got to happen. And I think the fact – I love Freddie and as a person and as a goaltender. And mm – -hmm. I, th I think the problem is he hasn't won a round yet with the Maple Leafs, and I think they're they're ready to move on. Um, if they could pick up Leonard, uh, 
who are some of the other? Uh, oh, Matt Murray. Big name, Matt Murray, who's really been linked to the Maple Leafs. Carolina apparently are, are interested in uh, in Freddie, but they're not going to trade him there because they're not going to get a great goaltender in return. So if they can get Matt Murray in a separate trade, they'll probably move him and maybe get a defenseman or something like that. So, uh, you know, where, where there's smoke, there's fire. And when you're hearing all these rumors from the insiders who generally have pretty good information, something's going to happen. Yeah, and it's uh, not unlike the Leafs to try and make a bit of a splash. So I think they're going to have some company. Everybody's aware of the issues they have with the hockey club. So they're not going to make it easy on Mr. Dubas and the rest of management. So once again, we'll sit back and watch with great interest. And I'm sure next week when we talk, something more will happen. And we'll see. We'll watch with real interest, as I said. So guys, uh, we want to thank you guys again. We want to thank our sponsor, the Hockey News for giving us an opportunity to come to you and, and listening to us as you are. Now we're getting lots of great response back. So I want to thank you guys for that. Uh, again, the hockey news, visit THN.com slash deal for a subscription to the great publication and all things pertaining to hockey. And guys, join us again next week. Our guest will be a very interesting character in the name of Bruce Boudreaux.